up. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. there and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 50, the big 5-0 indeed. Oh, I am Chris and I am joined as always by Rachel. Hello Rachel. Hey Chris, how's it going? It's going alright. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, interesting recording experience we've had so far, but yeah, yeah. no one has to hear about that. Uh, <laughs> you're just going to hear a great show. Uh <laughs> Um, and Dan, hello Dan. Interesting recording experience. Hi Chris, I'm Dan. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's, it's going well, thanks. It's going well. Yeah. And Devon, hello. Hey, hey guys. We're all here. We're all here. We're all talking. <laughs> Things are good. <laughs> Things are good. Okay, so this week... We are going to be talking about Rachel's adventures in Oticon. Or misadventures, as it were. Yeah, Rachel was lucky enough to go to the final convention, well, the final iteration of Oticon that happened in Baltimore. Yeah, the Baltimore Baltimore chapter of Oticon is officially going to be moving moving shop from Baltimore all the way to Washington, D.C., uh, on the East Coast now, so this was their, um, 2016 was the last time Oticon will be held at the Baltimore Convention Center, and, uh, that wrapped up just last weekend, and, uh, got a lot, it was, it was quite a year. Lots of stuff happened, and I'm really going to, to share it with you all. Nice. Alrighty, should we so, just get, get into it? <laughs> Alright, might as well, start from the beginning. Um, well... It was very, I would say the the start of Oticon, like at least just getting there and getting into cosplay, it's just one of the first things that you always uh, is struck when you go into a convention of this magnitude, is this the sheer amount of people all kind of like, you know, congregating just to register or for the pre-registering of the convention. It's just a, it's a huge, huge mass of cosplayers of, you know, a wide, wide variety, which is... Every so, no matter how many times I go to a convention like this, it's just, it's always continues to blow me away, like, the level of detail, like, some people will put into their costumes, and then, like, one of the special parts about Oticon is that they're always the big uh, photo shoots that they have for each fandom, so they, like, they don't waste any time getting to that, so they always, like, you'll walk, you'll wander in after registering, and then it will be just, you know, you'll wander by groups of people all gathering in the same costume, or, you know, group of costumes and all just like getting in front of like professional camera you know photographers and getting all their pictures taken nice yeah, and, yeah. and you went in cosplay yourself did you i did i did i think i mentioned on uh, last episode of a podcast i uh decided along with my dear brother who was coming with me as my cameraman to uh do steven universe cosplay i went as pearl from steven universe and he went as a young greg universe 
Nice. We both got lots of compliments on our uh, costumes, even though I feel I know I, I admitted in the article that it's like uh, my I admit my costume was kind of bit of bit of a rush job. I had to, like literally for the all I could do for the gem that was supposed to go on my head was get like a um, a little uh, piece for a necklace and then just kind of do like take some you know glue and just stick it on my head along with an extra tie to make sure it didn't bobble hey. around too much, but it did regardless. I, I... You're not supposed to tell your secrets. <laughs> you, you didn't have a real gem. Uh. Yeah, just, it, Otacon is the place where you go to share that information, though, because it's, it's ah. that's there. There actually have panels where people can go and actually, you know, talk about. Okay, this is how you put a cosplay like this together, and this is the oh, materials cool. you can use. It's really they're they're very thorough in like celebrating the art of cosplay. At awesome! Since it's such a big part of the culture. And you have, and you posted photos on Twitter, you said. Yeah, I had had a couple photos on Twitter, and uh, I know we got a lot of photos from the people, you know, just walking around the con. A lot of people, either fellow Steven Universe cosplayers or just people who enjoy the show, would, like, see us walking down the hallway and then just, you know, compliment us on our costumes and ask for pictures. There was quite quite a few too because like only like every couple we had to stop like every couple minutes just because someone was like oh can we take a picture can we take a picture (laughs) but easily the the best thing for me when i was waiting in line because i uh, in the my brother hadn't registered yet so he was going he was waiting in line and while i was waiting for him there was another line of uh, families who were waiting to get registered in the uh, regular registration and they saw me or at least their two young uh sons saw me uh, I think one was about, like, 10 or 11. The other was about, like, uh, 7 years old. The older one pointed out to me. He's like, Mom, it's Pearl! Aww, that's awesome. And the little, the, the 7-year-old, if if a, little, if a 7-year-old could, like, melt in their shoes, that's literally what I saw this kid do. Because he was just, like, a, just a bundle of smiles. He didn't say a word. He was very quiet. But he was just, like, Aww. just could not stop staring at me. Aww, that's awesome. That's lovely. It's, are you, are it you was, used it was to really that? Cool. I've never had that experience. I've never had an experience like that in Otakon before. That's oh, really? not when I've cosplayed from pre- previously. Uh-huh. But it was really special. Mm. Are you used to, like, being, like, not, like, yeah, I guess, like, to being stopped and, like, you know, people saying, hey, can I have a photo? Hey, can, hey, bro, hey. Like, are you used to that? <laughs> not, not as, not, I have to admit, like, the past couple times I've gone to Otakon, like, I've only cosplayed twice. Um, and I don't recall ever getting that many, you know, requests to just stop and take pictures. Some of the, like, like some one cost, you know, some costumes are, will get more people's attention more than others. But I think it's just because of the fact that Steven Universe has become such a big thing right now. That if you yeah. put together a costume that's, you know, for something re- that's, you know, relevant right now and it's a you know, really big hit with a lot of people, you know, they'll be more encouraged. To, I like, don't hey, know. Not even Japanese. They wouldn't have stood that yeah. for that in my day. No, no not real anime, is it? I don't know. <laughs> well, you say that, but there was actually a panel at Otakon that I tried to get to, but unfortunately it was completely full up by the time my brother and I got there, that was actually talking about Steven Universe and the anime uh, references and um, styles that are actually yeah, used like in that. the show proper. So It's heavily I really wanted anime. to see that. That was like one of my big priorities of panels to see, but unfortunately it... I missed out because uh, one of the poor, one of the sad things about Otocon is that you know at some point wandering around the convention for who knows how many hours you do need to eat and you need to, you do need to take breaks and we just were hoping that maybe that it wouldn't be as crowded 
as some of the other panels, like some mm-hmm. of the bigger premiere panels, but it, we were wrong. <laughs> we we got to the panel and there was already people out front of, you know, staff in front of the door saying, you know, that it was completely full ups and that we couldn't linger outside in case anyone decided to leave. So just like, yep, just go about your business. And it's like, oh, okay, time to move on. I heard some sort <laughs> of else general complaints on Twitter, like I think about certain events like being not in big enough rooms or whatever i think like that they misjudged like i think because mm. uh, canon busters had a premiere there uh and i i think there yes, was it did. quite a lot of people couldn't get into that who wanted to and i think they they basically thought that they complete you know they underestimated yeah. by a long way how popular that was going to be so Wow. It really well, is I guess like I know why... um, where I got some news report, uh, another report from the um, you know the staff itself since I got away. I had I had a press pass, so basically saying that you know overall attendance this year has risen again, even more so than last year. So it's just like oh goodness. So it's no it, it, when you have when those numbers in mind, it's no wonder that things filled up so quickly, and it's not really the fault of the staff members having to you know work with having to work with so many people all trying to get into the same thing i mean they did what they had to it's still it's yeah it's it's it, it, it makes all the more sense why they need to move to a different location in order to try and accommodate all the people that are coming out for this this convention because it's it's only just continues to continues to get bigger for all the 18 years that they've actually hosted the convention at baltimore it's like they've had to they started with just the convention Jeez. center and then they've had to expand from you know the the adjacent hotel buildings and just keep getting bigger and bigger and now they've just reached even that's reached mass, maximum capacity so it's just like where it's else funny. can you go? Wow, it's it must it must be very disappointing though. Like when you spend like how much is a ticket? Like, mm-hmm. like how no how much are they? Like forty. It is ninety dollars. Like it's ninety dollars. See, that's crazy. Days. And if you yeah, and if you spend like ninety dollars, you know. To go to the convention, which is like having the Cannon Busters premiere, and you can't get in, like that's that sucks. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I, I give, like I said, I give my due credit to the staff of Oticon and the everyone at Otacorp. You know. Oh yeah, it's no one's. It's no one's. To... It's no one's fault at all. It's just. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's a good job that they're moving to a, <laughs> I presume, a bigger location. Yeah, I really, I really hope so. I mean, yeah. ninety bucks for three days is really not that bad, though. If you think about it, I mean, for all the programming that seemed to, I mean, I'd there was programming all day. Quite that bad. <laughs> I don't know. That's really expensive. Well, not. I mean, compared to something like Tribeca, it's not. You know. Okay. Okay. True. Um, I guess that's what I'm comparing it to. I mean, and and especially if they're if you know because it's been going on for so long but yeah it is tricky though if you pay that much money and then you can't get into things yeah. oh so yeah. so difficult to predict Still, what did you... at the same time at the same time it was uh, I was able to do quite a lot at the time at Otakon that I did have and uh I was able to attend the uh Under the Dog premiere at Otakon and um that also featured a Q&A panel with the producers so we had Basically, the people who had spent money in order to back this project were actually able to speak with the producers and talk about, you know, the kind of uh, work that went into developing Under the Dog, which was really, really cool to see. You know, it was nice dialogue between, even though it was, you know, 
between you know backers who were from a completely different country, you know, talking about the what the project that they had put money in and the challenges what is under the, the producers dog? and the director had to. It's a um, an anime series that was uh, started via uh, Kickstarter. It was fully funded, or at least it was. They reached, I believe, they reached their goal via Kickstarter, and then um, the folks in the project involved in the project, you know, were able to use the money that they got to basically put it all into this one up ep- to the one episode that they were able to fund. Mm-hmm. And it's basically uh, what's what's a good way to describe that though? Because we actually have a review of it on the site now. All um, right. Describing describing the overall plot, but it's it's more or less like a um, it seems to be a kind of sci-fi action series featuring. It's basically these... like the kind of anime that used to be the big kind of anime in the West. Things like Ghost in the Shell, Standalone Complex, and things like that. It's you know it. People mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, no, okay. this is this is the okay. kind of thing I got into anime for." Basically, that's what people are getting excited for. Um, and yeah, there was it was a really big crowd, uh, Kickstarter campaign, and then I there was there was actually a bit of controversy around it because like a lot of the team changed after after the when it was in co in production, loads of people dropped out. Something right. ended up being someone different directing it or something. Like. Yeah. So the fact that it's that it's yeah it had to ch- it had to change around a lot to. F- to fit with the platform that they were using to get the funding because it's it's extremely different from you know how anime is traditionally uh, funded and produced so that they were taking a big risk with this and i i'd like to i'd like to say it paid off it, it seemed like the when we were talking to the producers though they seemed still like they were really unsure about where yeah, they're going to they, go from they did here. like a 30 minute um short episode whatever but they were talking about wanting to potentially turn it into a series or movies weren't they i think originally so they just don't have that money at the moment mm-hmm. i think they they were hope, hoping to you you yeah they think mm. they uh they said they were in the red when i was uh when they were talking on the the um it, you know but talking with people in the premiere so they're it, still it, not entirely it, it, sure you know they've got stuff planned out for stuff that they yeah. want to do it sounds like but whether or not they will actually be able to do it or, you know, from here is still remains to be seen. I'm looking, I'm looking at like the team that was involved and like, they're not necessarily like known for being independent. Like, uh, yeah, like, um, the, the director, Masahiro Ando, like he, he directed lots of FMA, like Brotherhood and mm-hmm. Full Metal Alchemist, the original, Crayon Shin Chan and um, mm-hmm. Sword oh, of the Stranger. Of the st- yeah. Yep. So, so this is like one of those projects that's like, uh, like kind of attached to traditional production, but not funded mm-hmm. traditionally. Yes, so exactly. We- and I mean, it clearly shows in the actual, you know, what we were actually shown. It was really impressive to look at and I really enjoyed it. It's just I, I feel really bad for these guys. It's like now that they put all that effort into this, all this money into this production and now they're not entirely sure where they're going to go from here. I kind of regret I well, I re- kind of regretted not backing it, but then then when there was all the um cuz it, it took a really long time to happen, I think, cuz of all the, all the problems. So I was sort of mm-hmm. like maybe I don't regret it so much, but 
But then when you hear it coming out, you're like, oh, yeah, I wanted to see that. <laughs> it can be, a with animation particularly, it can be ages before, and games or whatever, it can be ages before it turns up. So, and you completely forget you can you completely forget about oh, it, yeah. oh, and then yeah. suddenly uh, one day you just get either an email or um yeah. or or a package or something you're like oh like a present from the past, just like <laughs> just this 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 last week something that I backed turned up I'm like, oh, I forgot I'd done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that happens, totally. doesn't it? But but as we've said, like the problem, like is not really getting the thing made. It's getting the thing seen and getting it distributed mm-hmm. in a way that's effective. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's that, that's another issue I believe that they brought up in during the uh, the Q and A panel that said like, in terms of just a, is just not just the distribution but also the marketing too, just general marketing. Because so with um you know traditional yeah. back with traditional backers from you know from uh the industry normally that they you know they can take care of all that you know risk whether or not something goes you know whether it's going to make money or not that's that that's their issue but when you're doing a kickstarter project like this it's the people who are also doubling up with you know the creative producing it's also on in the directing it's you know now they have something else to worry about which is in terms of you know marketing and making sure that this is seen by the right people but little witch academia yeah. it, the second yeah. one was a kickstarter wasn't it or crowdfunding and that, and then it's ended up like on netflix and everything so there is you know there's it shows that sometimes crowdfunded things can get a wider distribution so hopefully yeah. that's the case with this with these guys we're gonna um, just to plug Animation Night's best of or Annie Best of Fest. <laughs> we're, we're gonna have um, it's pretty exciting actually. We have to confirm the la- the um, details of two of them, but we're gonna have three separate um, panels on um, one on alternative distribution for animation, one on um, TV distribution, and then one on um, animation on crowdfunding animation specifically. Night, New York best of Fest. Very cool. That sounds I know. very interesting. Tell me more. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> September 29th and 30th, all day. We have two ticket packages. We have the industry, uh, $30 for all events for two days, including VR animation experiences and an industry party. And then we also have a $15 enthusiast suggested donation, $15 enthusiast package um, for pretty much oh, yeah. um, and, all and the main panels and events. A, so. <laughs> there will be an award a very important really? award, an animation for adults award. It's going to be so great. <laughs> so that's happening. <laughs> that is definitely happening. <laughs> we will be there. I won't. Yes. Present. That's so exciting. Maybe. Oh, uh, next time. Um, next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's happening. <laughs> Animation Dutch New York Best of Fest. Plug, plug. There we go. So, <laughs> so it's a Plug, plug. <laughs> plug. Yes. Yes. Back, yes. To, back to the con. Um, so cool. One of the other big panels that I was able to make it to um, when I wasn't uh, walking around the dealer's room or Artist Alley, which were all really awesome to look at, by the way. 
Um, <laughs> you know, so much, so much swag, so much, you know, fan created art. Then uh, gallery was really cool. But uh, the really thing, the the big thing that I was really excited to get to do while I was at Otakon this year was the fact that they uh, Funimation was having the big premiere of their new dub for The Vision of Escaflone. And they had this big, big panel where they'd ha- they aired the very first two dubbed episodes and then had a Q&A with um, Sonny Strait, uh, Caitlin Glass, Aaron Dismick, um, and also very big was the um, original direct you know director of Escaflone, Kazuki Akane. Nice. Was also, Kane-san was also there. And uh, they all watched They all watched the episodes with us, and then they came up on stage and talked about the, the series afterward. And it was so <laughs> awesome. Oh, that was actually... <laughs> that was crowdfunded as well, wasn't it? The, wasn't it? the um, Funimation release. Segway. Yes, it was. <laughs> We're we're already on the subject, yep. so we don't Segway. need to segue. Um, but... <laughs> I had the opportunity to talk with uh, Sonny Strait myself, since he is the um, he's the ADR director for this new dub, and uh, also the voice of Alan. He was cast as Alan in the um, the show as well, and uh, he was talk- telling me about how they put out this Kickstarter just to see if the um, interest was there with the project, and it was... Yeah, there, uh, they got an overwhelming little, response. little bit of controversy in some <laughs> so, some quarters because people were like, hey, Funimation, Funimation don't need um, don't need a Kickstarter to release something that's going to be popular anyway. But as you say, the idea was with basically was there um, an interest, and it was to do... It Specifically, because they had to do a new dub, because of them being director's cut or something, isn't it? So the original version wasn't direct dubbed or something. I think something. No, yeah, there was um the uh, the dub that uh, first aired, I think, for the Vision of Escaflowne was was heavily edited down. So uh, this basically this project was an attempt to is is an attempt to make to get the unedited version of the series dubbed and uh released in the u.s so and and beyond so yeah just it was i'm trying to remember like i think it was like uh oh, sorry i'm stumbling i'm mumbling again i'm terribly sorry um because i actually have the little flyer that they handed out at the um at the, the panel and uh basically it's come it should be coming out on blu-ray dvd and digital hd on uh october the 18th and that'll include um, box sets for the first the first half of the series, second half of the series, and then a big old collection box set with both the, the full series plus the movie. So they really went all out with this dub, and it's I'm I'm as a fan of the original show, I'm very excited because I have a I have a very interesting history with the Escaflone series, and the fact that I got to watch this new dub just basically kind of brought back a lot of serious nostalgia and just made me want to watch the whole series all over again. Now I just have to wait for I October think they in did, order to do so. I, I know there was like a Fox Fox Kids or something, like really heavily censored thing, but they did release the, um, they did release just like a standard oh, dub yes. as well. Like I think Bandai did it, um, because 
Yeah, Bandai, there's like a Kirby Morrow was cast as Vaughn, and uh, yeah, I think I remember. they showed I it saw a bit of that, on but not that much. the very short-lived in the UK um, Anime Central channel. They, they tried for a few months to have an anime-dedicated channel, and it had... It had like um, quite a lineup. It had like Ghost in the Shell, Stad, Low Complex, Cowboy Bebop, Gundam, Wig, and it did, it didn't last very long. I remember that. But they would like they would like play, yeah. They'd like. <laughs> I seem to remember it being like they mm. they played three hours of like you know like four episodes or whatever, and then they'd play the same thing again and again and again from like. Yep, and then they like played through each series night. in its entirety and <laughs> every night, night after night. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if I saw it all the way through, but I know I did. I did try and watch it <laughs> at the time. Yeah, I actually got introduced to Escaflone. It was um, through a friend of mine from college, and she actually had VHS tapes that she had been given uh, to her by a friend, a close friend, that basically was uh, the original Japanese with subtitles. Like, I don't know how she got these VHS tapes or how her friend got these tapes, but uh, she actually uh, showed them to me and one of my other friends and says, okay, we're going to marathon this over the next couple days, and... That was actually one of the first times I've ever, you know, first time I've ever marathoned anything. And it was, it was an experience. And that's one of the reasons why the show stands out so much to me and why I was interested to see how the Funimation dub was going to, you know, take how the delivery on the lines and the casting. And, uh, it was, it was great. Like, as I remember, like, actually when they were done showing the episodes and, uh, you know, Kazuki Akane-san, you know, he was brought up and asked a couple asked a couple questions about, you know, different things about the show and the premiere, and uh, he literally said, you know, when did, when he was, while he was watching, he, for a second, thought, when did Vaughn and Hitomi <laughs> learn to speak such good English? <laughs> so he, he really approved of the, of the way that they hit every emotional note that the characters were supposed to in those first two episodes, and that's, that's really high praise coming from the, it's know, getting a, the director the, the new version's getting released in the UK as well. They're doing a, um, uh, I think Anime Limited are doing one of their Ultimate Editions, which are great big expensive things with all sorts of fancy stuff in it. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know exactly what's with this one, but they normally have mm-hmm. lots. The, aside from actually getting, you know, getting to ask questions and talk with, you know, the cast and crew and, or, and, uh, Akane-san, it was one of the things I about Oda, you know, just being at, uh, watching something like this at Otakon as opposed to being anywhere else is that you get, you know, everyone that you're sitting with is that they're all fans, you know, at least a good majority of them are all fans of the series, you know, diehard fans, and so when certain moments come up while watching the episodes, you know, people, you know, you'll get a whole crowd laughter and then or something like or gasps or something, and just it was it was just great to just be in a room full of so many like-minded people all watching the same thing and just enjoying the hell out of it. When, say, like, a character delivered a joke, but my personal, like, there's one moment that stands out in my mind where, um, I think, I believe it was during the second episode that they were showing us, and Titomi has been transported to this alternate world with Vaughn, and 
being taken to his kingdom, and they're riding in a like a horse and cart, and they they basically it gives an establishing shot of the kingdom of Fennel, and I'm and the line is delivered by one of the characters. What do you think? And as it pans out, and Hitomi's not supposed to say anything, but I swear to God, someone in front of me who I know has seen the series before basically just sat there and said, "Looks burnable." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> Does everyone die in a fire or something? It, it, it basically the, it gets invaded and every everyone say like the entire kingdom is basically destroyed and has to be rebuilt later on in the show. But it's still it's it was just one of those kind of moments where it's just interesting to watch with people who have seen the show before who know it's going to happen and just someone says something and then that kind of makes the whole rest of the crowd snicker for <laughs> snicker for the, like a good second or two and then keeps watching the episodes, but. You can only get something like that at Otakon. Room full of nerds. It's funny. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's what, basically <laughs> what it amounts to. But it's... It was fun. Sweet. It was a lot of fun. And I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to see, um... The new dub provision of Escaflone. And actually get the opportunity to speak not just to Sonny Strait, but also Aaron. And then get uh, attend a press conference with uh, Akane-san. Which was really cool. We got to ask him a whole bunch of questions about, you know, the animation involved, the changes in character design that happened in, you know, midway through production and his idea about making, you know, Hitomi a bit more of a independent, you know, protagonist. And, and you know what? The patrons, after this, after this episode, they will hear the, um, the press conference, press conference. Yep. I actually was able to with bring in uh bring in a recording device and actually got to record the entire thing. So, if yes. you're interested in giving that a listen, if you get sub- sub- uh, subscribe and be a patron, that will be one of the Sweet. perks. If you want to listen to that, cool. <laughs> <laughs> the only other, like I said, there was lots. There was so much going on at Otakon, and I tried my best to attend as much as I could, but there were there were still a couple things I had to sacrifice in order to actually eat and sleep proper. Um. One of the things I, I normally go to see that I couldn't attend to, aside from the uh, Steven Universe, and you know, and you know, anime-inspired panel, was the uh, anime music video contest or AMV contest, which is held every single year at Otakon, with a whole slew of entries of people taking clips of different series and stitching them together to popular music, and. One of the reasons I always enjoy attending this event is because of the fact that it's one of the best ways to get introduced to new shows that perhaps you may not have seen yet. I mean, depending on the content of the videos that edited together, it could, you know, it could spoil certain aspects of it. But if you're new to the show and are really not aware of what happens into it or what the context is, it really, all it is is serves just to pique your interest. And I can know that at least from... Some of the entries that uh, my brother was able to share with me, because share with me, because most of these videos are on YouTube now. After the convention was over, that I've at least got more than a handful of show of new uh, shows that nice. I'm really interested to check out. Nice. They have a wide variety of categories. They have, um, let's see, with the they have a comedy category where just basically it's just completely and utter hijinks and editing, it's like comedy bits together 
and there's an action category, dance, upbeat category, sentimental, romantic category. <laughs> the sentimental category. <laughs> I like that. They, 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 they keep both of those two categories like, together and stitch them together, but it's it's really cool to see what kind of stuff can come out of this, and it's a real testament to really great editing, too, because sometimes certain videos will stitch together footage that are from two entirely different shows yeah. and put them in the same video to make the illusion like the two characters are in the exact same shot. Yeah, that I gotta say as well, it's... My mind. I gotta say as well, it's really cool that, like, you're discovering new things at a convention, because usually it seems to me like it's the place to go and, like, be with like-minded people and just find like-minded people who you already know are like-minded because you like the same things. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool that you're, like, finding new things there as well. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's basically what keeps me coming back every single year is because the fact that it's, A, I'm discovering stuff about the culture mm. and shows that I may have not had the chance to really see or get invested in before. And also, like you said, you know, you meet like-minded people and you have chats with them and, you know, you take pictures together and share stuff about the con or stuff that you've watched. And then sometimes you can have really silly stuff happen, like I've mentioned in uh, the article that just went up today. is like you can literally walk in through the uh, hallway of the convention center and then you happen upon a bunch of uh, people dressed up in Undertale attire all lying on the floor, just kind of spread out and literally like looking up at passersby and it's like do, uh, referencing a joke from the actual game. Do you want to lie down with us and feel like garbage? <laughs> and people will do it. <laughs> just yeah, finish. that's dangerous. It's going to be contagious. <laughs> it's, it, was, it was really strange. <laughs> that's right. And the organizers was like, well, okay. Now we just have they this huge bought their tickets. All, like, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> all just like lying down on the ground. It's like, okay, guys, you need to, you need to make room because no, people are trying to get to It makes me happy panels. that they still have like AMV things because it feels to me like a really old school thing that people didn't really know people still did. That's quite, you know, I feel like I remember watching, like, I remember watching, like, a Evangelion one set up, set along to and knocking on Heaven's Door and things like that. And it's, mm. and it just seems like... Oh, very nice. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, know, I know what you mean. I think, actually, if anything, Chris, my impression is that there are more than ever. Yeah, because now that they're making the contests for it, so now people are making these things with the contests in mind, and it's actually, at least, you know, there are, there are still plenty of just, like, regularly produced AMVs on the internet like that I happen upon every now and again, but still, it's a lot of the ones that are at least made for the conventions. Well, it's like a heck, heck of a lot really easier than well it used to be. Together. People used to literally, like... Right, I got this. I got this VHS and this other VHS, and I'm right. getting this clip, and then I'm putting that on. Like he said, the Otakon's been going twenty, no, eighteen years, or whatever. People have been going to anime conventions for for years and years and do mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I've I've heard people say that they sort of their their function has changed the conventions because it used to be you'd go to a convention to watch anime. Because you couldn't see it anywhere else, um, like mm. they'd have lots of screening rooms and everything, and, and lots, lots of premieres. But um, I think that's less. Obviously, there are still premieres and stuff, but it's not. It's not like it used to be when 
mm-hmm. it used to be hard to watch anime because you just go, it's all there on the yeah. internet. Yeah, I, I heard there used to be like... I heard there used to be like screening rooms and then also like oh, if yeah. you found people who like had one video, mm. uh, you'd like go back to the hotel and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, and stuff like that. But I think it's, it still sounds to me like it's pretty much like it's a similar kind of uh, function, though. Like, you could just share those AMVs online and just watch them, and you know, like have the community in the YouTube comments. But people want to like be with each other and, and share them. Still, that's really cool. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were a lot of really I, I like I said I I only saw some of them pro uh, retroactively after the convention was over, but. Uh, because normally I actually get I, I go to see them live premiere, you know, in the convention center itself. But it was unfortunate. Like, I had to choose between either going directly and waiting in line to at, um to see the premiere of The Vision of Escaflone or, you know, going to the A&B contest. And I figured that's it's the, you know, it's Esca- A, it's Escaflone, and B, I really wanted to see how this, this new dub was turning out. I opted to go to see that over the A&B contest. But my brother went to that, and then he gave me the list of the videos that premiered there, and then we were able to retroactively look them up on YouTube, which is, if you're interested, just type, you know, go to YouTube, type in Otakon 2016 AMB contest, and I promise you there will be at least a something of a list of videos already up there. Sweet. And a lot of them were really well put together. But the, other than that, I think the very last thing I was able to do was go to one of the Sunday panels and which was titled The Art of Sakuga, which was a little little panel put together that was meant to highlight the different uh, animation styles and uh, works of particular animators in the a- Japanese animation industry. Like, we had um, mentioned Yoshinori Kanada, who... He's a legend. Been, I think they, yeah, he is an anim- animation legend, and uh, I believe one of the styles that they, they were able to talk about and when he when they brought up his work was his um, influence with special effects animation and uh, the, I believe what they've, they've dubbed it the Kanada dragon. Okay. The style okay. where he makes like a dragon, um, like I say, a fire or smoke effects that actually take the form of a dragon. It's, it's, it's probably worth like explaining what like Sakuga is. It's, it's basically just the word that's mm-hmm. given in like when the anime has credits, um, it's just the words like given to the actual animation itself, but it's mm-hmm. sort of been appropriated by a group of fans to mean particularly interesting or like noteworthy or important or um, it's, it's... any animation that really kind of stands out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've only I've only just been made aware of that myself. So the way how so the way how like the industry works is that it actually allows individual animators to become little like superstars in their own right, and also kind of in a really weird way. I mean, it seems like really counterintuitive to what animation is because when you're working in a big production, you want all the characters to look the same. But in actual mm-hmm. fact, like individual animators. Um, develop like their own like voices, and particularly with um, with anime series where there's lots of fighting and things like that, 
there'll yeah. be things like fighting styles or effects or just like styles of movement that these animators will work on and they'll like begin to ex- become very expressive in how um in how they're drawn and animated it's a really like unique thing it's i mean i i don't really know what it's what it's uh analogous analogous well, to uh we talked about this um when we talked about um princess kaguya remember we went sort of on uh, those really emotional um scenes how that sort of the the animation oh, yeah. kind of changed yeah. style and um i mean that that's an example of 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 what you're talking about right where where uh sort of animators have maybe more creative freedom or something um but they it's really expressive and um emotional yeah it yeah it's that's true i mean it is kind of but it's also like it can apply to um just pretty much like how animators are cast so if there's, uh, um, it's so hard to explain. It's it's actually basically there. There's a different kind of um, attention paid to keeping things on model in anime, particularly, mm-hmm. and uh, you can basically like the individual animator's way of drawing a character is not. Um, uh, kicked into line so much like to conform with the rest mm-hmm. of like a production or a series or whatever so if you it, it's kind of like if, if you're an artist and you have friends like you can look through like piles of drawings and you can go oh Mike did that or you know oh that's definitely a so and so drawing and it's really weird like with these animators you actually get to experience a similar thing where you'll be watching like a new movie and you'll be like oh that's definitely like so and so um sorry sorry Rachel I just thought it was like worth explaining no it's okay that is actually one of the reasons I brought it up because I wanted to see you know if you guys had any more information on that yeah I I only recently became aware of the fact you know that particular kind of animation was called Sakuga relatively recently and picking up yeah. on like say who's involved on certain projects because I've been seeing that kind of animation since you know obviously since I started watching a lot of different anime you know shows on TV like say Yu Hakusho or and Full Metal Alchemist and onward but and I noticed like I would like you like you mentioned before like you notice like, like you, certain animators have certain styles and you pick up on those similarities the more shows you watch and whichever you know shows those animators are working on but I didn't know what it was called so now I know exactly you know what exactly it, it's all yeah. about and uh, I'm starting to pick up on more you know about who what you know of, you know who which animators are involved in the, that kind of animation or have those de- defined styles and how that's yeah. kind of shifting from not just between uh, Traditional hand-drawn who, animation, who actually, but also digital, um, was digitally drawn. Running the panel, is it someone who was, you know, known in anime circles, or is it just, just general <laughs> fan? I, I'm trying to remember because I know they um, they gave a list of the uh, of the people who put the panel together, and I have. I, I, I should have written down their names before we started, but it's, I, I, they seemed to be... I think they were people who were involved with the um, just the Otakon convention in general, just kind of presenting, like, a list of, you know, anime uh, 
art, you know, animators who they particularly favor and just showing clips of different animation sequences and showing us like, okay, this animator has, this is what this, the style that this animator is known for and showing various clips of the Mm. bits that they've worked on in the past. I mean, actually, Chris, you bring up a really good point. It's the the thing is, is like this, um, this sort of like appreciation in, in, in this way of animation is something that's actually relatively like recent. Like it's only within the last sort of, I don't know, 10 years that people, um, like in English online have been like kind of talking about it. I, I remember, um, going on this forum, which is still going actually called Annie pages, um, which is run by this guy called Ben Ettinger. Um, and it's the, the problem about the problem with it is, is that it's not really been like studied by scholars or anything like that. It's a lot of it is, is to do with like, um, just finding piecemeal bits of information and trying to figure out like from credits or, as I was saying, like from like drawing styles, like who did what and someone's because animators like they don't really they don't have portfolios or or their own websites. They're quite private, so it's 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 got that kind of like um, it's got that kind of spirit about it still at the moment. It's not really been formalized, and I don't think like uh, many of the writers uh, like academics who write about anime have really approached it yet. Uh, so it's kind of like a... It's a really, like, relatively recent... Um, yeah, well, it's a subculture like a, within a subculture. Subculture, It used to be just... Anime was its own own tiny little niche in, <laughs> you know, in pop culture or whatever. And now it's, you know, bigger and more people know about it and stuff. So now it's breaking up into smaller little yeah. things. So there's like the, um, you know, there's the shoujo fans and there's the shonen fans and. But but it, it it's yeah. particularly like cool to me because I think it's a it's mm-hmm. a real gap in the market in terms of like academic uh, like study with with animation because uh, I I mean like in animation in general not just anime because. Lots of like the books you'll see on anime talk about uh, like metatextual things, or do, do you know what I mean? They don't really talk about the visuals, and mm-hmm. like this whole subset is about talking about how things look and how they move. So, so, so sorry. So, so Rachel, how how was the panel? It was really good. Like I said, um, only just recently became familiar with uh, just the fact you know, this particular type of animation has been recently dubbed Sakuga and that they're still, you know, trying they're, they're only still just kind of gathering footage of, and connecting it to certain um, animators and they went like they went over a great deal of uh, different uh, different animators and their, and their respective styles and showed us a lot of clips like I said, there was um, uh-huh. Yoshinori Kanada um, Masami Obari who, uh uh, okay. came up with the um, Obari punch style, uh, you know, and yes. then there was the uh, the sunrise sword pose, if you're familiar uh, with that. Okay, yeah, Ob- Obari is like he did lots of mecha. Yeah, he's he was a like big mecha guy. Yeah, and 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 Kanada, he's like a real like legend. Like in the, I guess in like the 70s, he started 
like developing really like snappy, almost like geometric approaches to action. And um, I think like if you look at his like effects work, that you'll see that and you'll go, oh, that's kind of like classically uh, like anime esque. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like he's he he unfortunately like died I think in two thousand and nine. Um, but his influence is like is really huge on on, on oh, the rest yeah. of anime. A lot of a lot of shows, subsequent mecha shows, have used a lot of the different like poses and uh, style of shots that he would use in his when he animated. So that's his mm. his legacy is definitely still very present in that genre. Yeah, like, the whole, if you like Hiroyuki Imaishi stuff, like, the whole kind of, like, basically, like, for example, FLCL would not exist the way it does without Kanada, because the crazy angles and things like that are mm-hmm. all, are all like, kind of from him, from him, really. Yeah. And there were a whole bunch of others, like, um, one of the ones that uh, stood out to me that I actually already knew the name of before I uh, went into... Uh, went into this panel was uh, Yoshimichi Kam... I'm, I'm mispronouncing this name terribly, but Yoshimichi Kam... Kameda? Mm-hmm. Who was in charge... I think I've... I think... I know I've seen a bunch of his work in a bunch of different things, but the one that stands out the most to me was um, his work in uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Because he, yeah. was, he was one of the uh, prevalent animators in um, Brotherhood. And even the original show, and he's been—it's really known for like really bold line drawings of, uh, and um, what was the what was the word that they used? Um, oh gosh, I'm. There's like it was the one of the great things about this panel was the fact that I was really a stranger in a strange land. I never really had a chance to really get into this side of you know Japanese animation before, but it was. Uh, it was just so fascinating to learn, like, you know, and actually get to see which animators worked on what scenes. Like, I know with, um, with Kameda, they used the, uh, they actually showed us the scene, um, in Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood where Mustang is fighting Lust and literally burns her to death. And just, that's, like, a great example of, uh, Kameda's style because you see Lust get set on fire and then it's just the animation around her like I wouldn't say sketchy is the word because like I said it's, it's like bold very bold lines of the animation as you know mm. you know react, reaction shots I think is what they were calling mm. it I'd say I, I, I would actually call Kameda sketchy like he he tried to really push the kind of like sketchy lines that he was allowed to uh, submit for his animation mm-hmm he was known for being quite, quite bold about that. Mm-hmm. But he could, but he can also, like as you're saying, like do, like really precise drawings, as well. Yeah. Like really clean, you know, uh, solid drawing as well. <laughs> but yeah, that was really. Even though that was all, I really had time to go to, you know, see and. At Otakon, especially, like, Sunday, we had to keep things relatively short because, uh... A, we had to check out of the hotel relatively early so we could make sure to repark the car and then walk all the way down to, uh... the convention center to make sure we had enough time to get every, like, all of our last-minute things done before we had to hit the road back home. But it was... Out of all the panels we went to see, I'm really glad that we were able to close out the, uh... the experience with, um... with going to see that panel because it was... Because now I find myself coming home 
getting on YouTube and looking up for uh, MADs or animation, uh, literally uh, videos put together that do, do contain like different uh, clips of animation used from these different animators that are all just kind of like put up on YouTube by passionate fans to basically say, this animator worked on this, this one was involved in this scene, and, and so forth. So now I'm just kind of like watching a whole bunch of them. And it's like, okay, who did this one and who did that one? Yeah, I yeah I spent like I spent like five years doing that, <laughs> just just scouring and and it, it was great as well because at the time I was like in college and I wasn't really I didn't have all the time in the world to watch like a whole series, and for someone just to pick out like the best animation in a series was mm-hmm. just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I needed that. <laughs> well, I know I shared um, on our Facebook page. I shared the one video that was included in the uh, the panel presentation of uh, Yoshinori Kanada's uh, animation uh, clip. The video they basically featured that was like the last video they featured in the panel, and it was really, really cool to watch. So if uh, you're all, if anyone's curious, feel free to go visit our Facebook page, and it should still be up there. But um, if we can. I think I, can I wonder the if the, uh, a lot of people who are really into Sakuga or whatever are people who are, who are maybe more general animation fans as well, you know, rather than specifically just anime, because it seems like you know it's a the kind of thing that people, because you know there are still the people who are like uh, if it's not Japanese, yeah, you know, like I I was messing earlier. Um, <laughs> I think that's a good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, do you know what? Um, I've seen both mm-hmm. sides of what you're talking about. I've seen people who have said like, "Oh yeah, anything's cool," and like you know, um, because mm-hmm. it's it's quite strange. Like within like a production framework, these individual jobbing animators. Um, reach quite expressionistic levels of like drawing really so i have seen like people who are just interested in animation in general getting into it but what i've also seen is people who have um a very like defined set idea of what they think animation ought to look like um not being interested in animation being expressive and like you know for example the classic thing of like you know uh, oh Mm -hmm. it doesn't have enough in between it doesn't look like disney animation so therefore it's wrong and it's bad and and i the thing is like i've seen that from people who should know better like i've seen like you know some some like anime writers who have written you know um books uh, like you know, her, and have been published for like many years, like for talking about anime, like metatextually in a like a academic sense, just completely like not understanding, uh, ex- like animation being expressive like that, like uh, someone saying, um, you know, oh the the animation in House Moving Castle was very scratchy in places and. I don't think Miyazaki would have let you know um, such such drawings passed in in you know a few years back, and it's like, hang on, wait, you really don't understand like what's 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 going Someone on. Someone recently there. shared the original link. I mean, the original review 
that was published in Variety of um, My Neighbor Totoro, and it was like religi- originally released in the US, and it was really negative, and it was like, it was like, oh yeah, animation's rubbish. It's not like Disney. Oh really? And nothing really yeah, happens. Sure. It just turns out she's got a cold. Like what? You have missed mm-hmm. absolutely everything about that film. Yeah, but these people are just like, oh, it just turns out she's got a cold. It's man. Man. It's like, <laughs> what? Like, the type Idea. of... <laughs> like, you've missed the whole subtext of what's yeah. wrong with her. It's serious. <laughs> I know, it's all right. She comes home at the end in the credits. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's happy. I mean, that could but be a dream. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're. I get what you're trying to say. It's it's, it, it, it's it's like I said. It's it's a part of animation. It's a, it's a style of animation that I only recently just became aware of, and the fact that I had an opportunity to, you know, take some time and learn more about it was really really yeah. cool. And now I'm I'm becoming more familiar with the the people who put the work into this really impressive and creative uh, style of animation, and I'm really eager to learn more. So that's probably. <laughs> That's probably going to just take up more time, you know, more time on my busy schedule. But you know what? I don't think I'm going to regret anything. Looking into looking into this more. Oh, if you're if you're interested, I can show you some really cool things. Please. I've got a whole Dropbox actually that I could I could share. That's just nice. Like, yeah, I I think it's like two gigs worth of videos I've saved. Oh man, nice. I'd be I'd be happy to take a look at those. But yeah, as, other than that, that was more or less the uh, Otakon experience as I was able to have it. And like I said, uh, I'm really appreciative for the opportunity that Otakon, you know, the people at Otakon were able to give me to come in, actually able to speak one-on-one with uh, some of their guests and being able to get to experience this final uh, Otakon convention at, um, and in Baltimore. Because I'm not entirely sure if I'll be able to make it to the following one in Washington, D.C., but I would really like to if given another opportunity. So, again, very thank you very much for the opportunity, and I sincerely hope that I get to experience it again because it is a and thank you very, for very representing us, Rachel. And for a lot of people and for good reason. And, and you can uh, keep an eye out for videos <laughs> of Rachel's interviews. It's my pleasure. And also the, um, the audio of the... Akane interview will be tacked after this, <laughs> I think. If you keep listening, if you're a patron. So, hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Keep up to that. So, um, later. moving on. <laughs> we covered that. Um, there is something that we were going to talk about in the news section but we ended up going straight into uh, Otacon but um, recently Sausage Party the adult uh, animation from yes quote unquote adult animation that has been released in the US recently and has actually been doing rather well getting good reviews and if you listen to this podcast and you kind of know what our sort of opinion <laughs> Having not seen the film, uh, but our our preconceptions about the film are not terribly positive. But that's not the point. What we're going to talk about is the fact that there's a bit of a controversy around the production of the film. 
uh, because there was an interview published on Cartoon Brew last week uh, with the directors talking about it and they were basically talking about how they produced the film really cheaply in relatively compared to Disney and Pixar things like that and DreamWorks and I might say well it doesn't really look like those films either does it <laughs> but that's not the point um, but they're basically saying yeah it looks as good as those films but it's not as expensive no. uh, well they're basically boasting about having a low budget and people who worked on the film uh, came in the comments section under that article and uh, made some allegations about the film uh the conditions uh they said that uh basically people were expected to work overtime unpaid and things like that and lots of people left the production and have ended up not being credited is that about the size of it dan threatened to um f- be fired if they weren't in- weren't hitting yeah. deadlines and still not getting paid for extra time on top of that yeah, it's and and also like the thing that they were kind of stressing is that like these kind of contracts, mm-hmm. so like they're not employed, they're employed like for the duration of the show, and mm-hmm. once the production is over, it's it's not like certain that they'll be able to stay at that company or be called back for the next project. So, right. you know, failure to, like to comply with these. Um, with these, I, I don't want to call them rules, but they're kind of like, you know, unofficial uh, requirements, I guess. Yeah. That they, seem, that, they, that they seem to have been asked to fulfill. Like, failure to meet those means that they're kind of putting their futures at the company in jeopardy. Yeah, which is completely unacceptable. And, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a real shame that... Uh, because I'm, I mean, I don't have, I personally don't have any opinion on the film yet, not having seen it at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of disgusting that you know they've got this huge, uh, um, famous uh, cast of of voice actors, and you know if they weren't paid properly, you know the film wouldn't even get out. You know, the film wouldn't even start production if they weren't happy with their pay. Whereas animators and visual effects artists are kind of expected to grit their teeth and tell themselves that they're doing it for the love or whatever. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, yeah, it's so lopsided. it's, It's completely disgusting because the thing is, if this is, I mean, we've 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 always spoken about this film as like kind of being something that could set a standard because like regardless of the budget it's a really high profile release it's had like quite um a big marketing campaign and it's got like really big you know stars and uh writers like behind it so if this is like setting the example for what might follow we need to, yeah, this stuff needs to com- like stop now because it's going to be movies getting successful off the backs of it was anim- animators who have, you know, uh, been completely screwed over. This is pretty standard 
It's pretty standard, though. I mean, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. you, there's an element of protection if you're signed on to a studio. And even if you're signed on as a freelancer in the U.S., right? like, you're, there's a, you know, minimal amount of protection or whatever, but not really. Like, um, I mean, most of yeah. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. I, I, that's right. I looked up the studio, I think, last time I was on and we talked about this. Um, or this particular film, but um, I, I guess I guess my point is that I've seen this a lot. I've seen this a lot in New York City. Um, I mean, this is kind of one of those. <laughs> this is kind of the one of those things that gets me fired up about um, animation nights and, and like this sort of idea of of uh, creating something like the eventual goal being creating something to sort of help filmmakers because um, you know that's exactly what happens. There's this sort of big bloated middle section. I mean, their whole goal was this sort of the reason why this happened, right? Is or allegedly or whatever is because they're trying to slash costs. <laughs> and like always, 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 it's the um, production people but, um, that get like shit on. This is the first time I've heard of <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, in ca- the Canadian industry, particularly, um, there was similar allegations around the. I don't know what the company is, but they produced the um, mm. uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the new version of that, which is horrible. My niece is watching. It's terrible. They they don't even look like chipmunks. They've got human ears. I don't get it. It's weird. Mm. I don't know what's going on. It's weird. (laughs) Why do they look like children? They don't even look like chipmunks. (laughs) It's awful. It's awful. (laughs) Sorry. uh, That's... (laughs) I heard people make allegations against the company of that as well. But we should say, we should say that um, all of this, and it's part of the reason it hasn't been covered on our site wow. apart from the fact we don't really talk mm-hmm. we can't say that it's you know definitely this is how it went down but there's a lot right. of there's a lot of stuff going around and it's been reported on a lot of sites so we had to talk about it and also um a lot of publicity it got was from was from friend of the show david lally uh who who tweeted about it and his tweet went viral uh about how he wants to support adult animation mm-hmm. but basically he doesn't want to get it on the off the back of um people being screwed over that's not what he that's not his exact words that's my words right there um but yeah and i think we could all agree on that <laughs> as you could tell um and also yeah the film still doesn't look good yeah right. it, <laughs> but it's not even out here yet right Still not sure I can get into it. Regardless of the animation style, it still doesn't seem like it's the kind of movie that would be my cup of tea. But like I said, it's it's really it's not really too good to talk about something or talk down about something if you haven't really seen it. So that's right, just, yeah, no, so it's on my list <laughs> to see. That is pretty much covers Sausage Gate, I think. <laughs> yep, yep, Sausage Gate. Um, so, That's what we're dubbing it now. Do, does anyone want to talk about stuff that they've been watching at all? Um, I, I could. Oh, I actually, um, I've watched a ton of stuff this week just because I've been here in the house of my own for a week, and I've just been catching up with everything. Um, I've just been like I've watched the entirety of Stranger <laughs> Things. I've, I've caught up with loads of films. I watched um, I watched Deadpool finally. I watched um, I watched I watched uh, nice. what, Mocking Jay Part Two. That was yeah. 
But I also um I also one of the first things I watched was was the Good Dinosaur. Uh, I finally watched, <laughs> and yeah, that well, yeah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> it's it's I I can see why people are not as amazed as you know. It's no Inside Out or or even Finding Dory. Um, it's got a kind of weird tone, really. I I think in that it's. Yeah, Dan, Dan and I will discuss that at length already, but yeah, it's definitely weird. It's got a downbeat sort of feel, and I was like, uh, why yeah, it's, a bit, I... it's all a bit sad, really, for a lot of it, and I, I'm i not a big fan of the style of the actual the characters <laughs> very much. Um, obviously, the, um, the environments are stunning. They're like... They're mm-hmm. probably like the most impressive environments I've ever seen. I can understand what won all those awards, mm-hmm. but it sort of it really does it does really you know the the mix right. of that the characters and that background is really weird um and it sort of it sort of fits with the tone of the film because the tone of the film is sort of mixed because it's sort of like oh here's wacky childhood adventures and here's tragedy and the, the brutality of nature all at the same time so sort of the contrast between the gra- the visual of the background and the um and the characters sort of fits in with the contrast of the two styles of the film in a sort of way in that they don't really mash <laughs> yeah that's what they were going for i think i mean that's disney i mean that's bambi right that's you know a stupid cute like you know, Thumper and the owl and oh, suddenly the forest is on fire and mum's dead and you know it's like uh, I can't wait to watch a good dinosaur again because I think I'm gonna like <laughs> it was really weird so like I watched it I think I watched it like before the Revenant came out here and then I watched the Revenant and then I was like oh this is a lot like the good dinosaur <laughs> Oh, I can't remember if I saw the good dinosaur after having seen the Revenant, but either way, <laughs> I think like I'm gonna end up rewatching the good dinosaur a lot more than I watched the Revenant. Yeah, the Revenant's really from, intense. That counts or anything? But I I really don't think it's like you know it's it's weird sometimes when you're talking about um like how something looks, that's usually the key to like okay you weren't paying attention to the actual story and you weren't being engrossed by the right things. But I think in the case of The Good Dinosaur, the fact that the environment is so impressive it is really worth noting because it's a big part of the story. Like, the brutality. Like, the water mm-hmm. is just... And it sounds so lame. to like It sounds like you're geeking out about a tech demo. But the water in it is amazing. It's... Yeah... I mean, I I think in terms of its look, it's more impressive than Inside Out or probably Finding mm-hmm. Dory. All right, sounds good. So I guess then Yvonne, unless I, if there's anything else to cover, then I guess the floor is yours, Yvonne. All right. Yeah. Um. Just real quick, I uh, um. Besides working on uh, the festival stuff uh, for next month and next month, um, uh, and also it's a festival. <laughs> 
there is a festival. <laughs> September, September 29th and 30th. <laughs> it's the Annie Best of Palace. Yeah, it is amazing. It's even more amazing as Animation for Adults will be, <laughs> will be presenting an award. <laughs> it is amazing. Uh, I know, right? Let's keep. Let's just keep mentioning it. Yeah, no. It, well, it is coming up, and it's going to be actually pretty awesome. But um, we're we're going to do official press release stuff. I think really in the next couple of days, we just have to nail down a, a, a couple of uh, panel names. Um, but we have some really really exciting stuff. Um, not to mention content that's been kind of. Um, offered to us to to show um that it's really exciting anyway so um so i've been looking at some vr stuff um and uh actually we also have a, a vr event coming up on the regular day um of our, our monthly screening so september um 14th the second wednesday is that right 14th 16th why am i not sure i can't look my calendar's too far away <laughs> I can like, I know, but I, I'm like, totally, totally don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, September 14th is, yeah, that's the Wednesday. Yeah. So second Wednesday of September is the usual day we do our monthly screening events for Animation Nights New York. And um, instead we're doing the art opening for Best of Fest as well as a, a VR um, panel on um uh, smell it's cinematic VR 2.0 and the use of smell and some other things done uh, presented by Reverie Immersive Works so that's really exciting and um, I might actually even be able to participate on it a little bit and just sort of talk about experiences and programming professor because we're accepting also VR submissions to Animation Nights New York which is pretty awesome so anyway in my um, I, I sort of been keeping an eye on content that's been coming through and um, one thing that I just looked at um, last night um was uh, a piece called firebird la la paris um anyway um this I, i've watched it on the vibe i think it's available for cardboard too but um it was really um beautiful beautiful piece um it was in i think four acts i might be um, wrong about some of these little details it's off the top of my head but um um it's got a a, a famous uh, actor sort of doing um the narrative um, what's his name john he's in lord of the rings indiana jones oh john uh, Rice Davies. Davies. Is it Reese or Rice? Reese Davies, yeah. Um, and the thing that's really incredible about it is because, you know, this is all new territory. First of all, it looks really nice, and it's sort of um, a story with some uh, dance performance, um, sort of, it looks like motion capture, and then um, a couple of different environments. And um, I don't get to use the word meta very much, but it definitely is. Like, it's because it's a, a performance piece um, that's on a stage, and there are sort of two different environments that you are in experiencing the piece um, while the narrative is going. So um, that's the part that's really fantastic because you know all this it's sort of wild west right now and 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 it's always curious to me like how as the viewer participant you're gonna have your um you're you're gonna be directed you know where you're gonna be directed to look and how you're gonna be directed to look and um with this piece you're sort of on a stage on stage in front of an audience that you can kind of make out, not really, but you see that they're there. And then as the piece progresses, 
it sort of moves into a fantasy realm so that you're you're in the story. Whoa. See what I mean? So it's really self-referential, um, and yet, and then at one point, um, you're using controllers as a flashlight, and you have to grab a couple of things to sort of um, create a little bit of interactivity. Though it's for other, that's just for the vibe. Um, you wouldn't necessarily need much in the way of controllers, but you do have this light that um, shines around where you look or point, and um, so that sort of makes it makes you sort of pay attention as well. But but that's sort of like secondary, like first environment second environment um, is really something because it does kind of draw you in and then the motion capture stuff I mean the performance piece with the uh, humanoid you know a lot of the times um, sort of falls flat for me but um, this didn't it had a real it was really kind of breathtaking um, it had its moments where um, yeah it, it was very effective you know and, and um, so it's just exciting you know they, they all kind of um, uh, seem like demos really um, at the at this stage of the game, uh, but uh, it was really beautiful and it's definitely worth um, experiencing and, and checking out. Um, and I, I've already got links actually. I'm going to email to you so we can stick on the um, the show notes. But um, yeah, it was really something else. Really, really beautiful. Other than that, I've I've got some films to catch up on because we're we've hit the 2000 mark as for with oh, regard to film Lord. submissions. Yeah, I think it's 2004. <laughs> um, so I, I'm a, a few pages behind, um, and I, I have to catch up. I'm actually really looking forward to that. Um, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I checked out The Little Princess, and I know we're talking about that later, but um, as, as a couple of us have, and um, other than that, I need to look at this. Oh, I did play this other thing, and this, um, this game called um, uh, A Chair in the Room. And, um, yeah, and that's just freaking terrifying. That game is terrifying. Uh-huh. Um, it, <laughs> that, that was a whole kind of different kind of experience. And um, it was just, it's one of these horror games. Like, the only thing that was really, like, helping me keep it together is that I was just like, oh, it's not really that advanced. Like, and nothing's really going to be chasing me because I can't, they haven't really gotten the motion controls right. I can't be running away yet. Like, seriously, that's the oh only thing God. that um, gave me any kind of, I know. That's what like, you say, dream, dream, dream. Exactly. No, that's what it was like. You okay? First of all, you're in. Oh, like you're in. You're you're there as a patient. Like that's creepy enough. You know what I mean? And then this whole like there are like these repetitive sort of environments, except there are things that change, and then like the music really all of that alone just does the number on your head. But then, you know, on top of that, it's just creepy anyway. So like at one point, I mean there's this one moment where you're in a hallway and there's this like thing crawling towards you. And I'm like <laughs> in the room going, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Like saying that out loud, like no, 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 no. <laughs> A thousand times uh, no. Disturbing, so disturbing, and yet you know, I really am looking forward to. I can't play that one in the evening. Like I have to um, make sure. Uh, but I'm totally gonna play through it because it's it's just it's it's. I can't. I have to know. I have to know if I'm a murderer. No. <laughs> anyway, that's worth checking out too. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty much what I've looked at. Otherwise I've just been, uh, you know, organizing, putting things in order. It's always good to hear about ready you, to stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Dan, did you want to just mention Pete's 
Uh, yeah, I saw Pete's Dragon. Oh my god, you guys, it's great. So like, <laughs> like that's it, that's it, that's my review. Bye. Uh, no, it's, it's, um... Okay, so it's like it's kind of like a sister movie in spirit to like The Jungle Book earlier in the year, mm-hmm. where like it's a remake. But I mean, this one is actually like nothing. If you did anyone okay, so did anyone mm. um, watch Pete's Dragon the like seventy seven movie? I remember seeing bits of it, but I don't think I saw it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. I never saw it. I think I saw it lots. I think I saw it lots of time when I was growing up. Actually, yeah, to be I think I, I I think we used to have like a beaten up VHS that was like on a VHS that had like been recorded over and erased like a billion times. <laughs> and, and it was like recorded from TV so it was like this horrible copy but I remember watching it a few times and it kind of it's kind of like set I think it's set in America at like the turn of the century I seem to recall that or like or like 19th century America um, in like a seaside town who cares but the thing is it's <laughs> like the the, the the remake is not really a remake because the only thing it's taken is that there's a green dragon and there's a boy and it's in America and it's like this new story uh, pretty much um, it's directed by David Lowry who um, is probably best known for Ain't Them Body Saints uh, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen um, but he's he's got like a real I think he's got a bit like a an independent like, kind of spirit to him. Um, but yeah, Pete's Dragon, what is it like? It's like they left him alone to make a movie. Do you know, like, do you remember when movies used to be that? And it was just, like, <laughs> simple. It's a really good, like, um, chicken noodle soup, like, simple, old-fashioned, like, movie. And lots of people have, like, been comparing it to Spielberg. Mm. Um like it's got because it's got something of like an ET kind of thing going on with like family and this you know fantastic and then like people have also been comparing it to like to Totoro a little bit um but it's it's just like a it's great it's a great film and I mean I personally I don't think the animation is the most spectacular thing about it um I mean even though it's really good it's not really like a. It's not like a, a tech demo. They're not trying to show off the technology. It's it's very much just like a. Um, just another part of the film. Really, the fact that there's a dragon. <laughs> there's this like dragon. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're like arming or roaring about it, I would just say, go and go and see it because it's it's really worth. Um, checking out and it's like it i saw it like like a couple of weeks after having seen the bfg and those films like are really kind of living in the same space now in my mind um where it's like uh quiet ish stripped down good old-fashioned like kids movie storytelling going on and uh yeah, I was really impressed. It's a lovely film, and like I, it's a better film than the original, definitely. Mm-hmm. So it's like with this. People keep saying that with this movie. Sorry, it's not Chris? so much the animations that. Uh, oh. Did you, sorry, I was, 
People keep saying. Oh, really? Yeah, no, absolutely, hands down. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, God, stop being mean. People did that with um, with Jungle Book. Some people were like, oh, it's way better than the original. Like, oi, oi, you watch what you're saying there. I don't think, I, I think, it like, weirdly, like, it kind of reminded me of, uh, I, I don't know, like, in the 80s, like, when things were kind of remade that people weren't really fond of, but were kind of vaguely familiar with, like, The Fly, like, that was just remade, and it was, like, this entirely new thing, and it was, it had a really, like, naturalistic style to it, and it was it was better than the original. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of irrelevant as well to compare it to the original, because... The plots are almost entirely different, completely different. Is that more or less? Already then. More or less everything, I guess. I think so. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, actually, really quickly, um, Yvonne, last yep. time you mentioned Pearl, the yes. like Google Spotlight film. Yeah. And. Uh, I'm, I get so jealous of like hearing you talk about like all these cool VR things you get to like play around with so, so um i <laughs> when i found out that like you could watch it um just on your phone like using the 360 like, yeah uh, youtube uh like setting that they have on some videos mm-hmm. i watched it and it's great and if you if, I if, know. Anyone's, if anyone's interested it's um it's patrick osborne who is the guy who directed that um feast feast yeah Ooh. that came with um big hero six um and he's like directed like it's kind of like a music video but it's a short film really that's really yeah. driven by music um, yeah it kicks you in the heart <laughs> yeah it's such a strange experience <laughs> but basically if you have like the youtube app on your phone and your phone has like um like a gyroscope kind of function um you can essentially like use your phone as like a window kind of kind of like how um I'm, if you haven't seen it like uh it, it was how uh glenn Keane's uh, short film duet was yeah was presented but it's such a strange like experience because it's all told like from sitting in the passenger seat of a car and yeah. you get to you get to look around as the car is like going through tunnels and like stopping places or just on the road and it's uh it's a really cool way to like experience uh a film i guess and I yeah. really recommend checking it out if you're able to and actually even if you're unable to do that with your phone, if you watch it online, you still have the ability to like you can use a mouse. Video. Yeah. yeah, with your mouse and like pan around as you would in like a video game, I suppose. Yeah, the vehicle is a vehicle for the story, <laughs> and a character in the story, <laughs> and um, and My it it does was the car. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and it's the the same. Yeah, and the way a car can sort of grow old with you. It's um, it is actually yeah. a perfect vehicle <laughs> for the story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that was just quick. But um, yeah, I think it's it's worth checking out because it it didn't have like much fanfare. I don't really feel. 
like it was just kind of released mm-hmm. um but yeah seek it out seek it out it's called poe i just sent a link to you guys great great, great. make sure that keep that in the show notes also all right I awesome yes that does that wrap us wrap up episode 50 you think guys 50 yeah i reckon <laughs> amazing big five oh all right um <laughs> Where can you find us on the podcast? You can find us on iTunes, podcast.com, on Stitcher, and you can follow also episodes on the podcast on the Animation for Adults official website. And follow everyone on, we can follow us also on Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, am I forgetting anything? And Chris, where can we find you on the social medias? You can follow me at Mr. Christor on Twitter and on Facebook. Awesome. Dan, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Hamu. And Yvonne? I'm on Twitter at iSnare underscore Inc. And if you would like to submit a short film to Animation Nights New York, um, please go to our website or use Film Freeway, um, but we're at animationnights.nyc. So um, please do. All right, and you can follow me on Animation Twitter. Nights. Yep, Animation Nights New York. Woo! What a name! What a brilliant name! What an awesome name! Yeah. <laughs> I, I I bet the what? person who came up with that name was terribly <laughs> handsome and sophisticated. And brilliant! Don't forget, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> All right, well, let's close out this episode, and we will see you all on the next episode of the AFA podcast for episode 51. All right. See ya, everybody. Good night. Bye. I haven't really woken up. Until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. How many steps do you take before you have foot pain? Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store, and the truth is, the battle between our feet and the concrete or asphalt usually winds up with our feet losing. Studies show that about 75% of people will experience some kind of foot pain by middle age. I found that out a number of years ago with plantar fasciitis, and I tried to remedy it with shoes and drugstore cushions that didn't work. Finally, I went to the Good Feet Store, was personally fitted for arch supports, and I love them so much, I bought the store. Without a plan to protect and support your feet, it is likely you could one day be one of the millions living with chronic foot pain. Don't wait until pain demands that you visit us. Stop by the Good Feet store today and let one of our trained arch support specialists fit you with your personal system of arch supports. The Good Feet store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com.